Hello, it's me, Lily, a frog who lives in a pond and loves to tell stories. This is a literary fairy tale by Marlene Werfel. It's a rewritten and rearranged version of A.A. A. Milne's The Rabbit Prince. This version is called The Royal Rabbit. Once upon a time, there was a king and a queen who hadn't any children. When they rode through their kingdom in their royal procession, the people would remark, how sad for them, all the wealth of the kingdom, but they haven't any children to share it with, and so they are poor, if you will, as poor as poor can be. And the king would say to the queen, Poor us. I wish we had children. Yes, the queen would reply. But we haven't any. Poor us. Wouldn't a little daughter be wonderful, the king would say. Yes, a little daughter would be a joy. But I wish we had a son, said the queen, to pass along our wisdom to. He could inherit your crown and your kingdom and be king one day. And so it went for years and years and years until the king and queen were very old and it was absolutely clear they never would have any children. And people began to wonder, quietly at first, and then not quietly at all, but quite loudly in markets and pubs, who would lead the kingdom once the king no longer could. Many of the king's people believed that they should choose the person amongst them who was the smartest, most courageous, and had the best moral character, so that the chosen leader would rule the people with intelligence, strength, and virtue towards a better, more prosperous future for all. The king's advisor told the king so. I'm just telling you, your majesty, what I heard your royal subjects say in their markets and their pubs. They want to choose the next leader amongst themselves. Well, that does sound like a fair and good idea, said the queen. Rubbish, said the king. An ordinary person can't lead a kingdom. No matter how intelligent, strong, and virtuous he is, he must be of royal birth. But why? asked the queen. Why? Well, of course he must be of royal birth, because if he is not of royal birth, then he won't have royal blood. And if he doesn't have royal blood, then he can't be king. That's why. I see, replied the queen. Royal blood, does that make one a better leader? 
Well, in my vast and royal experience, it certainly does, said the king. Nobody has ever led the people before who did not have royal blood, so the only successes that have ever been are therefore because of royal blood. The queen looked like she was going to say something, but the advisor advised, If I might advise, your majesties, according to the royal book of royal rules and royal proclamations, the leader of a kingdom must be of royal birth. Well, that settles it, said the king. The royal book of royal rules and royal proclamations is by royals. So we know it is legit. We will choose a leader who is of royal birth, said the king. Okay, we will choose someone of royal birth, but who is also smart, courageous, and of strong moral fiber, suggested the queen. The king looked like he was going to object to this, but the queen looked at him in a particular way, which in his vast and royal experience meant it was best for him not to argue. Write this down, the king told his advisor. <clears throat> there will be a contest. The queen clapped her hands. She loved to spectate contests. There will be a contest, wrote the advisor, to choose the next king of this kingdom. The contest will test the participants' smarts, courage, and moral fiber. To participate, you must be one, an inhabitant of this kingdom, two, of the intention to lead the kingdom toward a better and more prosperous future for all, three, of royal birth, and four, have great hair. The king ran his hand through his silken locks, which were remarkably lush for a man of his age. The winner will inherit the king's crown. Got it, said the advisor. Now go forth and tell the entire kingdom about the contest so that they can choose to participate or spectate. It will be in one month's time in the royal gardens. That night, the king and queen ate their royal dinner and the queen asked, have you led the kingdom toward a better and more prosperous future for all, darling? Well, I like to think I have, yes, said the king. I have been king for 40 years now, so I must have done something that made the kingdom better and more prosperous. I cannot think of a particular example just now. It has been a very difficult four decades, what with the bad weather the poor crops. But remember, darling, I am a royal. So imagine how much worse this would have been if someone who wasn't a royal had been in charge while we had all this bad luck. The day of the contest finally arrived and the contestants were lined up in the royal gardens. The advisor had pinned a number on each of their tunics and they were stretching to get ready for the first test, which was a foot race. The advisor was also checking, of course, the contestants' birth certificates to ensure that they were of royal birth. 
their proof of address, their hair, and asking a skill-testing question, which was, is it your intention to lead the kingdom toward a better and more prosperous future for all? Each of the men and women who entered the contest answered yes. Bald persons and people with tangled or thin hair were sent home. When the advisor got to the last contestant, he was shocked to find a rabbit standing there at the starting line. Go away, he told the rabbit. You are a rabbit, and this is a contest to be king. Yes, said the rabbit, and I am a contestant for the crown. I am an inhabitant of this kingdom. I have the intention to lead the kingdom toward a better and more prosperous future for all. And I am a royal rabbit of royal birth. The rabbit unfurled a royal scroll tied up with a purple ribbon and explained, I am not fortunate enough to remember my parents. I only know the creatures in the king's woods in which I grew up, but this has always been tied around my neck. The scroll read, Be advised. This rabbit is high-born and of a bloodline relating to the royal family. Injury to this rabbit will result in penalty by the king's highest court. I'm not leaving, the rabbit continued. There is nothing in your rules that say rabbits can't participate. The advisor looked at the rules once more. Then he looked angry and like he might stomp on the rabbit. But the rabbit pointed to the part on the tiny scroll that read, Injury to this rabbit will result in penalty by the highest king's court. The advisor conferred with the king and queen about allowing the rabbit to compete. He is adorable, though, isn't he, said the queen. I do want to see him race the others. Oh, yes, he is cute, said the king. What fuzzy widow feet he's got. I would think he has an advantage in the running race, but what harm could there be in it? There are other challenges planned that will ensure we do choose the most fitting ruler for the people. And so the advisor shouted, On your marks, get set, go! And in a flash, the rabbit crossed the finish line and sat beside the king and the queen in their royal spectator's box. I must know, do you have a favorite to win? asked the rabbit of the king. Of course not. I am a fair and just king. I don't choose favorites. But that one chap there who is leading the pack, the one with the great hair, he does remind me of myself when I was a young youth. Doesn't he, darling? Do you see it? he asked the queen. Oh, I do, said the queen. He looks just like you did as a youth. And remember what a fast runner you were, darling. I was, wasn't I? Reminisced the king, which I really think helped me accomplish all that I have as a leader. Quite right, darling. What was it that you accomplished again? Oh, yes, I am still searching for an example, but remind me later to make a list. When the other contestants crossed the finish line and the rabbit went to the finish line to take a bow on the winner's podium, the spectators politely applauded. 
What's that chap's name, then, the one who came in second place, the one with the great hair, the king asked his adviser? That is Lord Dudeman, your majesty. He has many prestigious titles, is related to you on your mother's side. He is your mother's cousin's nephew's uncle's brother. And you may recall awarding him the king's medal for jousting last spring. Well, I'm not saying that he's my favorite, but I do hope he wins. Our next contest, the king announced, shaking out his extravagant locks and pulling at his magnificent beard, will be jousting. Jousting. In 20 minutes' time, the jousting will begin. The advisor advised the contestants of the rules of jousting. Riding upon a horse, you must knock your opponent to the ground, and he must remain there, unhorsed, for a full minute before you can be declared the winner. You may have the advantage of knight's armor and choose a lance of your choice. The advisor pointed to a shining row of knight's armor and lances, colorful poles made of wood long enough to knock each other off horses with. Also be advised, you must be a knight to participate. All the females in the competition are excluded. It is a sport for males only. Girls and women may return home or to the spectator stands now. Well, that's really not fair, said the queen. Of course it is fair, said the king. I said it is so, and I am a fair king. Nobody knows fair like I know fair. I am, in fact, the fairest in all the land. The rabbit did not put on armor or choose a lance before hopping onto one of the king's horses, and as such was the first ready to joust. While everyone waited for the rest of the knights to armor up, pink lemonade was served to the spectators in the stands. At last the advisor called, On your marks! Get set, joust. Lord Dudeman, in full armor and with the longest, heaviest, pointiest joust of all, reinforced at the tip with gleaming and sharpened metal, came charging toward the rabbit, who hopped up into the air and easily avoided the swinging, thrusting, pointed lance. This was repeated several times until the rabbit, instead of hopping up to avoid the lance, hopped down onto the ground and seeing his opportunity, Lord Dudeman stabbed at the rabbit with all his might but missed, and so his pointy lance stuck hard into the ground and his horse still galloping fast, Lord Dudeman pole vaulted himself high into the nearest tree. Lord Dudeman's armor made clanging sounds as he fell from branch to branch and then collapsed on the ground, groaning, and staying there well beyond a full minute. The competition carried on until there was no one other than the rabbit left. All of the knights had been unhorsed, and the king and the advisor conceded that they had no choice but to declare the rabbit the winner. As the rabbit bowed on the winner's podium a second time, and the crowd cheered less politely and more Energetically this time, the king and his advisor conferred. What are rabbits bad at? The king demanded of his advisor. 
Hmm, math, your majesty? Oh, yes. Let's choose a difficult math question then for the next challenge. Can you think of one? What is seven times six? Perfect. And so, after an intermission during which the spectators were served cotton candy and Lord Dudman was revived with the help of smelling salts and the rest of the competitors were sent home or to the spectator stands, the rabbit and Lord Dudman faced the king who asked, What is seven times six? Fifty-four, ventured Lord Dudman. Let the record show that the very promising youth has responded 54, said the king. And then he turned triumphantly to the rabbit. Your answer, rabbit, demanded the king. Seven times six is 42, was the royal rabbit's reply. And an odd thing happened next, which is that instead of declaring a winner to this round of the competition, the king began to sweat profusely, and he called upon his advisor for a private council. He commanded his servants to build a privacy tent around him and his advisor for the purposes of this council, right there in the middle of the royal gardens, while the spectators were served hot buttered popcorn. But why didn't you declare a winner, your majesty, asked the advisor when the tent had been constructed around them. Not because I don't know the answer to seven times six, if that's what you think, said the king, but I do think it would be a better idea to ask a question that we do know the answer to. The answer to seven times six is, began the advisor, but the king shushed him. Unlike this mathematics business in which there can be multiple answers to the same question, there is a riddle that I for sure know the answer to. My nanny would always ask it to me when I was a little boy. It goes like this. A vessel have I that is round as a pear, moist in the middle, surrounded with hair, and often it happens that water flows there. I see, said the advisor, a riddle me re, and the answer is an I, yes? Well, the answer can be anything to this particular riddle. Oh, really? Why is that? Well, however I answered it, my nanny would say I was right and a very smart boy. I don't think I ever answered an I, but I do remember raspberry being right and the moon and also a mouse. It doesn't matter. Listen for the particular contest. Listen, for this particular contest, which we will declare the final deciding contest, it is important that we choose one right answer so that we can tell Lord Dudman what it is and he can win. Let's say the answer is mouse, the king went on. Now write it on a card and seal it in an envelope that says official answer and make sure that everybody in the stand sees that the right answer is sealed and we know what it is and that way they'll know the contest is fair. But first, send a secret message to Lord Dudeman that says the answer to the riddle is mouse. And so it was done, and Lord Dudeman got a secret message that said, the answer is mouse. Now burn this secret message.
and the privacy tent was taken down and the contest resumed, beginning with the king making a long speech about fairness and being the fairest in all the land. He also had quite a few words to say about how important it is that leaders are able to stand on their hind legs for long periods of time and about hair being mostly on top of one's head and not all over one's body like fur, but that beards are a sign of wisdom and that a firm grasp of mathematical facts is not at all a prerequisite for competent leadership, though many people who didn't understand the hardships of leading a kingdom might assume that it was. But enough speeches, said the king, and a loud cheer went up from the spectator stands. This will be the deciding contest. There won't be any more after it. The cheering got louder. Answer me this, riddle me re. A vessel have I, that is round as a pear, moist in the middle, surrounded with hair, and often it happens that water flows there. Then the king looked at Lord Dudman and asked, Do you know the official answer that is in this official sealed envelope? And the rabbit noticed the way. The king looked at Lord Dudman. The answer is mouse, said Lord Dudman. Now burn this secret message, he added. Let the official record show that Lord Dudman has answered a mouse. I think we can safely ignore the second thing he said. It is not relevant to this contest in any way. And you, rabbit, do you have an answer to the riddle? A vessel have I that is round as a pear, moist in the middle, surrounded with hair, and often it happens that water flows there. The rabbit was going to answer an eye, but thought better and replied, Your Majesty, I have great respect for the intelligence of the young Lord Dudman, but I think he is mistaken. The answer is not, like he said, a house but a mouse. I said a mouse, said Lord Dudman. Oh, I'm sure you said house, insisted the rabbit. Why would I say house? Houses aren't round and surrounded with hair. The official record, interjected the king's advisor, has recorded Lord Dudman answering a mouse. I don't think so, said the rabbit. He said house. He certainly said mouse replied the king very coldly. Well, that settles it then, said the rabbit. We are both correct, for my answer is also a mouse. The advisor opened the sealed envelope and read out, the correct answer to the riddle me re is a mouse. And the tally board clearly showed that with a tie in the final contest, Rabbit was the winner, and the crowds went wild, cheering and chanting, Rabbit shall be king, Rabbit shall be king. Queen, actually, interjected the Rabbit, and there's nothing in the royal book of royal rules and royal proclamations by royals that says anything about female rabbits not jousting or leading the kingdom toward a better and more prosperous future for all. A better and more prosperous future for all, chanted the spectators. And once she inherited 
the king's crown, the first thing the rabbit queen did was make sure everybody had enough carrots, lettuce, cabbage, eggs, and chocolate to eat. And she ruled with intelligence, strength, and virtue towards a better and more prosperous future for all.